Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today, we're going to dip our toes into the endless summer with the seminal 2001 album from Fenez. Absolutely. Kind of a very different record from last week's episode, but I think a, a great record to start the summer off with. As it's is here we are we're we're in it, you know June. The the beginnings of the summer, so we thought this would be a, a cool record to do, and you know a little off the beaten path for a lot of the stuff we've been covering. But I but you know, Migo and and Finez, you know I mean he was he was doing stuff in the in the mid nineties, and what those guys were doing was, you know they really started something. Very true. Very very unique to them. You know, we Mm -hmm. we got a chance to talk to Peter Rayberg a few years ago, which is a great conversation. And so, yeah, we just thought this would be just a really cool record to kick the summer off with and really excited to discuss it. Yeah, it's it's crazy revisiting this one. And, you know, it's it's getting nice out. The weather is uh, perfectly cool outside. The sun is shining, at least where we are. And uh, it just feels right. Windows open door open like blasting this record but well well maybe your windows and doors are open we seal these things up and crank that ac but we're simulating (laughs) it we're simulating (laughs) it yeah we have you know the windows open in our heart yeah (laughs) and in our brains but yeah (laughs) but uh you know i know endless summer isn't the only thing we've listened to recently so Connolly's, what have you been playing well, we if we've been well, Tara and I had oh, a unexpected happened. Yeah, Tara and I had an unexpected <laughs> cross country trip, and it has mm-hmm. been mentioned in our a uh, few of our Patreon series episodes. And so we had a lot of time to listen to stuff in the car. So while we mentioned some of these on a recent episode of Home Time, we will we will mention them again here for those who uh, haven't checked that out. But Tara, what were some real? What were some highlights from our unexpected from our unexpected cross country journey? Okay, so we were still in the Nenzophilia zone, so we listened to Magenta, and that sounded good. Then we threw on Halt Belt, and the lyrics on that are so insane. Yeah, Uh, we were listening to it at dusk, as just like all the lights were starting to flash on, and the whole world just looked. I don't know, terrifying because we're on a plane state driving through the dark after a rainstorm. Uh, so when you hear the lyrics, have you ever seen the final border of reality? The one you cannot cross while you're still alive. We were like, ah, it was With that inhuman voice. And yeah, <laughs> yes. we were literally, we couldn't tell what it was. We were driving in either Nebraska or Iowa, one yeah. of those states. And the, there was just these, 
red lights in the distance flashing on and off, but it, but it looked like <laughs> flashing a, simultaneously. So yeah, it's it, like a massive it, city. It looked like a city of just <laughs> red lights yeah. going on and off. We had, we could not figure out I what thought it was. At first, I was like, oh, is that an oil refinery yeah. or is it a lot of power lines? Because you know they'll flash for other like helicopters and things. They don't run into them. But then they were. It was such a massive scale. It like dominated the entire horizon, and. You know, I noticed it wasn't getting closer. And then we passed this um, wind turbine and it had one red light on top. And we were like, holy shit, it's the top of every wind turbine windmill on the distance of this flat plain state. <laughs> so you can see them for like miles and miles and miles. It was it was terrifying. It was and really, so it cool. Was. But, but hearing that and what oh. is it? Something like the have you ever seen the fence around our existence or something? I mean, it's. <laughs> It, it's we one like, where you yes, could actually we're watching it right now. Yeah, yeah I see you can it. understand it's right there. <laughs> the lyrics a little more, and and it was also called Magenta. One of the tracks, the lyrics are the writing on the back mm-hmm. of of uh, Ephemeral Dawn. The here the dreams. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, so super cool. And, uh, and speaking of plain states, we were on the plains of Indiana. Um, famous for corn. We didn't see any corn. There were lots of like just barren fields and listening to Richard Ramirez kicking the stars that left desire. It was absolutely perfect. Just phenomenal. Um, we listened to corrosive control moonbeam terror again. And so good. Uh, that was amazing. Like going into the mountains, but then on a beautiful night drive, Persian pillars of the gasoline era, the recent Vatican shadow from last year sounded great. In yes. the, just again, these surrounding yourselves in these drives, you know, the soundtrack's so important, right? And it just fit so perfectly. And we were in a giant traffic jam outside of Las Vegas. Uh, we were looking off into the distance, seeing a dust tornado. Uh, so we put on black leather Jesus video boy hustlers. Yeah, Video Boy Hustler. Our one video single. Hustler. Sorry, just one hustler. <laughs> um, and it has like a little brief interview uh, before the second session, an introduction before the first session. And that was It's just phenomenal. cool hearing Richard's voice from, you know, over 20 years ago. It's like, you're like it's, it's young Richard after, after having gotten a chance to talk to him right. so much. And, and as we were listening to it, there was a Mongols ride. So like hundreds of bikes are like going past us on the shoulder and roaring past while we're listening to Richard Ramirez. It was kind of perfect. Then we needed something super long to try to just finish yeah. it. I just wanted something to finish us out. Something to get us home. Skin Crime Crank Sturgeon collab that Pat had just recently put up on the Self Abuse oh, yeah. uh, Bandcamp. So it, which is yeah. like two hours long. It so was it was great. like a great, great way to, you know bring us bring us home uh as well as the new rainforest spiritual uh, enslavement oh yes. fi- flying fish ambience so fantastic <laughs> mm-hmm. so fantastic uh just you know the the dark the darkness of a summer night yeah we weren't driving through like a dark ocean landscape or anything but, lush and verdant and hidden um, but it brings the sonic. But it, it made us it. feel that way. It brings it. Yes. And then, of course, you know, we're going to be listening to a lot of finesse gearing up for the episode. <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah. Black Sea, the re- the one from 2019, Agora, which is so one of our good. favorite albums of that year. The one from 98, that's the coordinates, like plus 72 yeah, degrees, uh, whatever that. That's supposed to be that the one. address, the coordinates of his house in Austria where yeah. he recorded yeah, the his, record, right? Exactly. His, his yes. summer house. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. And then and then we, we threw on 
just kind of trying to get into the vibe of the Mego era and the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, you know, more computer use. And a record that I always associate with that, well, of course, because it's part of that, and I associate with Summer, is Hecker's Sun Pandemonium. I don't know if I've heard that one. Oh, dude, that is a wild record. And it actually almost, it actually brought to mind, like, modern like third organ because it's so just it's so wild sounding but maybe maybe more on the sun drenched side of things as opposed to like Loch Ness monster side of things which, okay. you know, which I think of third organ <laughs> yeah. but it it is a wild record and sounded insane you know gearing up for this episode so just trying to get into that vibe but yeah sun pandemonium yeah of course that was played for us for the first time when we went to visit on a vacation and visited dillaway yes yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. he like was perfect. actually the first person to play us that yeah uh, i hear it and I, I go back in time yeah. every time yeah i think he might have played me Peta for the first time yeah yeah Makes sense. But that's, <laughs> that's, so that's what friends can do so for we friends. We had a lot, you know? lot of recent listening for us there, usually, uh, you know, a little longer than usual, but we've had, we were, we were sequestered inside a car for, uh, for a long time. So we had a lot of time to, yeah, we had to listen to stuff, but great. 40 hours. What about you, my good man? Well, buckle up, listeners, because I've got probably an equally large stack of recent listening sitting here. Uh, Got some new tapes on Throne Heap, a Josh Peterson tape who I had mentioned before and actually a representative from the Peterson estate let me know that uh, Josh actually plays the piano on all of his tapes. It's not uh, like field recordings are captured or someone else playing it. So there's that uh, correction to issue. But Night Electronics on Throne Heap. And then I got uh, Day Explorations. Uh, cassette, which is like a companion cassette to Night Electronics, and it's way more freeform, open, kind of voyeuristic electronics. I think I would have to describe. In fact, no, uh, Voyeur Loops is one of the the tracks on on this thing. In fact, it is very much that vibe of uh, captured captured moments and weird atmospheres. And uh, yeah, been digging Josh Peterson stuff, and this is no exception. And uh, a new Evil Moisture cassette, Lucio Full Cheese on Throne Heap. Boom, boom, With great paintings on the uh, on the inside art. Actually looks a little different than some of the Throne Heap tapes that are normally like screen printed on some heavy textured paper. This is a color print of some strange paintings. And bolus in full bolus mode man it is uh <laughs> wild unpredictable weird engaging and irritating and confusing cassette in all the ways that you want evil moisture to be so that's that's cool and then uh for the last of the tapes i listened to be joe collie's trance tapes double cassette on no rent which is uh four sidelong pieces of zoned out joe collie experiments and uh listen to this while i was doing some soldering work on some pedals and it just i mean trance tapes you, you see name like joe collie and the title is trance tapes i think you might know what to expect but yeah, uh, and i think we uh sadly missed out on that i think it i think mm-hmm. it came and went in about 
the the time that it was announced, uh, I think it was quickly sold out. So sadly, we missed out on that. Yeah, I was I was up early that day somehow. <laughs> and uh, and then we move on to CDs. I got this New Forces compilation here, uh, which is just called New Forces, I believe. Mass Marriage, Breaking the Will, Skin Graft, Nod, Rusalka, The Rita, Wolf Creek, Worth, Neural, Kyostad, Trerix Roset, and Shredded Nerve. I, it's a great comp. Really nice, diverse sounds. It flows well. Uh, some real standouts on there. And uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, some names we've discussed here or people we've talked with. So <laughs> certainly for, for fans of that stuff, if you didn't already know it exists, now you do and you should grab it. And I got this uh, Jocko Van Halle Feral Earth CD. And it's uh, the instrument list is metals, rust, ash, glass, stones, poisons, electronics, and tapes. And it is two, like, 20-ish minute pieces of uh, crashing junk, scrap metal, feedback, noise. Uh, like Macronympha, but not really loopy. Not not much in the way of loop stuff, but definitely captures sort of some of that feel of, like, kind of like the new black haters and macro as a as a thing if i don't i try not to compare things too often i feel like but that's an easy description for it because it's it has the blockaders mentality with macro instrumentation and uh showed up the other day from phage tapes the grunt splatter wilt collaboration the trough of armageddon double cd and Mm -hmm. uh, as the names might suggest just pitch black dark ambient stuff uh, also nice for the summer, you know, I, I go between one to listen to a cool breeze and a, and a foreboding presence. So this one definitely fit the bill. Heck yeah. That's like the opposite of this album. It's that's a cool breeze and foreboding. This is not foreboding in a warm wind. I think this, I think I get a cool breeze on this one. I wouldn't, this, this grunt splatter wilt is not a cool breeze. <laughs> this is dark and for maybe a cool breeze from the, from the cellar, <laughs> you know, the, right, a, a, right. A draft. Opening the cellar uh, and damp yeah, the, musky the, draft. Yeah. 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 And I know we mentioned it a few episodes ago, but still loving that recent grunt splatter CD. Yeah. Oh yeah. I yes. mean, that's the thing is Absolutely. like, I, did I listen to dowsing in the cancer lands? Yes. Did I forget to mention it in whichever recent listening we did? Yes. <laughs> You know, uh, you can't remember everything you listen to. I I'm mean, meaning to know. start a journal. I really need to for like what I listen to because it's I've, I will forget. I couldn't remember today. And when I listen to these tapes, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll have to remember these for recent listening. And of course, completely forgot when I went to put my list down. Checked out the Mertzbau Prurient Black Crow Cyborg, which I know was in your recent listening a while back. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a really perfect pairing and a really nice collaboration uh, between the two so of them good. and uh, imminently listenable. Like yeah. it's nasty yep. and harsh, but you put it on and it, it has that sort of zone that lulls you right into it. And like, you're just, it, it's, I don't know. It really worked for me from the second I hit play. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, obviously you guys had praised right. it, but I, I didn't know. And uh, yeah, always, Always happy to hear a nice collaboration like that. Again, like just listen to Grunt Splatter and Wilt and like that melds together perfectly too, you know, in a, in a different way. So very nice. Endless Summer. Yeah. Look, we could have picked a real solid handful of Fennis records. The Connolly's mentioned yeah. some in their recent listening. The decision to do this record was kicked off by my listening to Black Sea, which is I maybe my favorite Fennis record 
Uh, so good. It's very good. It's just the the overall mood of that one is so fantastic. But it's a it's also a different record. And this being from 2001, uh, that's, a, I think, 2008 record. And actually a record yeah. that you had recommended to me way back when. Yeah, yeah. And probably played I, for know, me. Of, you know, of the sort of Migo crew, Fenez was always, always my favorite. And got to see him live once or twice. Definitely. Definitely once, I think twice. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, know how, you know how it goes. I just you I guys know you go, saw him. He was here in L.A., right? And we he, missed him at the L.A. show, and I and I was actually trying to remember why. It was just a, I'm sure it was a scheduling conflict. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we would have gone. Yeah. There was no. There was. It would only have been because we couldn't make it. But yeah, you know, I really the 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 the, the Migo crew was always. I was I never fully knew what how to sort of listen to it I think at the time a lot of it and I think now looking back on it I'm I'm maybe a lot more into it than maybe when it first when I first heard some of it because I think when I first heard a lot of it I was so enamored with more rotten stuff yeah more less you know just just more chaotic fully decomposed like violent and I didn't, rotten and things. i didn't understand no. using computers really at the time i still don't really understand it but i it's i don't have an aversion to it anymore do you know what i mean i think it was a, a thing at a time where uh, you know these releases and we talked about it i think a bit with with peter rayberg is that they you know there wasn't there weren't a lot of options, so they were using a lot of the same kind of sounds and some of the things you gravitate to or the rudimentary tools they had lent some of these sounds. So you would maybe hear similar sort of processing or techniques on some of the records. And I know to me that led to a little bit of burnout. Now, when I go back and listen to some of this stuff, it doesn't sound like anything being made today, really. And it doesn't sound right, right. like anything. Uh, and, it, and it sounds like its own thing. But it took me also uh, time to appreciate this stuff and but you you were always listening to stuff like wolfgang voigt and whatever back then and i was listening yes. to like autiker and pansonic and a lot of that kind of stuff you know poll poll I, I listened to a lot of poll but like this cd didn't make as much sense to me back then yeah yeah we 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 love exactly wolfgang voigt gas a lot of that yeah. stuff and but but fenez was one that i always did like and i and i think it is the use of of melody and and we we watched a uh, interview with him uh, from 2008 oh, it was actually he had just he said he had finished black sea uh, like the weekend yeah. before something like that or like the month before and he and he was playing tracks for it for the audience it was a red bull Aca- music academy thing it it was in barcelona so it must have had something to do with sonar i might have even been there i don't not at the <laughs> not, was, at, yes, not, at the, not at the uh not at his thing Talk, but i might but have been there sonar. i can't remember what sonar i was at <laughs> but anyway he had just finished black sea and so he was playing it but he was talking about how at the time you know that the whole crew he was one of the first people to really incorporate melody and then incorporate guitar and he just thought that was just his way of sort of doing his own thing. And and I think that I was struck by that immediately upon hearing this, you know, around when it came out. And then, yeah, just really continuing to really dig his records. And going back to this, I mean, ah, man, it just sounded 
so good <laughs> better than week. ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Better than yes. ever. And he, uh, he grew up playing guitar. You know, when he went to school, he, he had to play an instrument. And he, so he learned guitar, right? Yeah. So there is the guitar was his first instrument and it's cool that a lot of people, when they get into noise, they sort of abandon their musical training if they've had any and forego their instruments and just start doing pedal stuff. Whereas he, like the guitar is an essential part. This record couldn't exist without his guitar playing on it. And right. that's, I think it's cool that he chose to like, no, I can just add this n- next element to my guitar playing and make this new kind of music. And there's so much weird sound and texture on this that it is very noisy, but yeah, uh, most of these songs are thick with melody and layers of, of melodies and harmonies and stuff, which is really interesting. But I, I know also like he did a, a single where he covers or plays, you know, uh, the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys. And yep. so the melody and harmony are something that he obviously likes <laughs> very much and has a, an appreciation for and incorporates into his music on, on everything. I mean, it's up to like, you know, we're talking about Black Sea, which is still that's that's, a, you know, thir- that record's 13 years old now. Yeah. But, uh, he's you know, when I saw him play like it's modular and guitar and and just continuing to incorporate that as the element. And it, it works so well here where like for me using traditional instruments in traditional ways is not very noise. It's one of those things that like sets noise apart. But if you can do that and still have it feel like, and be considered noise, that's a pretty special thing. And so, and he does that here. Like, yep. That's, that's great. I, you know, some stuff that you hear classed as noise these days is like piano ambient with like some lo-fi production techniques on it or something. And that's not really noise to me. It's like nice piano music. That's fine. And, and it certainly has a place, but this is a noise record that is also like, like we said, just full of melody and, and traditional playing. There's, there's like straight up song (laughs) or songs on this Mm -hmm. uh, and song structure loosely in some ways. And he does incorporate them in such a loose way. I did read in an interview that um, basically for Austrian copyright, he doesn't have to pay royalties for covering Don't Talk by the Beach Boys because they say that it's so far away uh, from the original song. But Finesse is like, you can play mine under it with Brian Wilson on top of it. And it's a discernibly the same song. But again, it's just there is this kind of like looseness this organic way that these melodies and these chords progress and are played that it doesn't quite register as as a standard song it's it's more like a feeling put down on music well it's a very evocative record and it does you know stir up uh emotions and and nostalgia i mean the title endless summer obviously a beach boys reference obviously there's the uh well, actually, actually it's not so actually in that in that interview with Red Bull Music Academy, he he know he understands why people think it's that. And he said that they and because that he did a times. Beach Boys cover. Yeah. The Beach Boys album and the summer is a compilation album from the 70s. He didn't know it existed. It's a reference to the movie Endless Summer. Well, that from was the my 60s. next point is the surfing yeah. Yeah. So, documentary. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Bruce so no, he, he makes a point. He says that like yeah. forever. Everyone thought he named it after the Beach Boys record. And, you know, again, because he did that cover, 
but he said he had no idea there was a compilation record called Endless Summer until someone pointed that out to him. He had only How referenced the, the movie, which is funny because it's like there's there's basically no way for anyone to realize that. Well, we're stating it now here. And he we only know because he said it. He did state it in 2008, but I'm sure to this day it doesn't matter. You just assume. I always assumed that. I mm-hmm. always assumed that it, that's yeah. what it was a reference to, you know? Well, but look, either way, it fits. It, it fits perfectly with both yeah. those contexts. And the, the album artwork, of course, lends to the uh, surf documentary yeah. Endless Summer. Uh, yeah. Bruce Brown did uh, another one of my favorite documentaries, On Any Sunday, which is a like dirt bike motorcycle uh, version of endless summer sort of where he like follows mm-hmm. around a bunch of people doing like, you know, different, different sort of uh motorcycle competition type stuff. And it's uh, thoroughly enjoying too. So recommend that for any enthusiasts out there. Very cool. I love the way this starts that sputter that you just know you're entering this strange world of sounds. Like, uh, man, it just, it, it, it starts just, weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. And just that, that, computer that computer brokenness that smothers everything and that's going to go throughout the whole record and 20 years on it sounds you know so different that i'm that it certainly where i remember it sounding then you know because it is it's it's two decades old now one of the things that was kind of strange about this you know when people started using computers to more heavily make this kind of music and especially this glitch stuff relying on algorithms and weird processing is that they found a way to use a computer to make a computer sound like what synthesizers were used to represent computers sounding like in the seventies. <laughs> right. Yes, no, right. Exactly. exactly. It, no, man, you nailed it because yes. I, we were, when we were listening to it, I was, I we were trying to sort of, describe like why what this sounds like and why how strange it sounds Mm -hmm. and yeah no totally that's a great way of putting it that's awesome it's it's really wild because it does it's like it sounds like what you think a computer sounds like but it's not all the other sounds and the weird glitching and the noise yeah of course so many things that we hear you know Mm. nowadays you can do with with any kind of soft synth and effects and stuff but back then it it that's those sort of tones really felt like you know what a doctor who episode or something and i i love that and this one you know there is that really sharp static so you know you're in for some noise from the get-go but between those sort of bubbling computer tones this like melody sort of squeezes its way out and it kind of it's being pushed against all these different tones and it finally manages to break through that static and i I love it as that as it reveals itself. And that's one of the things that will happen on a lot of these tracks. We're talking about, of oh, course, yeah. now Made in Hong Kong, the first track on the album. And yeah, it's it the the melody just pushes itself from this sort of nasty static and these sort of more glitchy sounds. And his melodies are these ghostly, like really ethereal sort of things. I read in an interview uh, that he was and the, the interviewee or the interviewer actually sort of specifically asked about this, but that he, he was inspired by uh, like my bloody Valentine and Sonic youth. And that's yeah. very apparent here in the sort of the guitar sounds and some of those kind of melodies and the, and the way he puts sounds together. And I think that's cool. You know, obviously he would work with Jim O'Rourke and, and Peter yeah. Rayberg mm-hmm. and Fenoberg yep. and, so, uh, one, you know, not, not far removed from the Sonic youth. Camp well, yeah, certainly, all. certainly. And yeah, when we get to 
the the title track "Endless Summer." There's just this great isolated feeling to the whole album, but I really started feeling it here, and it's it's like you're just you feel small compared to the vastness of the ocean, which is I think a feeling you get when you're staring at the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, like early morning on a lake. Like if you ever get up, like especially if you get up to go fishing or something, you or know, stay up. You know, he'll reveal something beautiful and then obscure it, and then that thing will go away, and then you hear something else that's really nice, and then everything comes back together, and then those swells just just bring out so many emotions. I don't know what it is, but you you feel like that thing when you when you experience something ineffable, and your heart is like oh, that just is- filled with joy. That ineffable nostalgia that it sort of brings, that, that you can't put your finger on what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this with with the sort of blurred strumming and all these layers, and that's there's sort of a weird beeping sort of rhythm thing that carries it on, especially in the, the first half. But it's it's so beautiful, I feel like, that it can't help but to like try to disfigure itself. It it like wants to make itself ugly and it does. It like right. there's these sounds here that are that are interrupting it and just making it nasty until it hits that the halfway point where there's a there's like a break. There's a breakdown and it's this like grinding break and then back from like underwater the filter opens up yeah. again. Well, exactly. And and that that sort of acoustic guitar element of this track is is sort of teased a little bit and then it's obscured and teased a little bit until that one point when it just it just bursts forth and it's you can just like the sun peeking uh, through clouds incredible i mean that break to me was a wave breaking and taking you underwater because when Mm -hmm. you come back out the sound literally opens up like you're like you're coming up you know up towards the surface of the the water and then breaking through and actually hearing things clearly and a really nice kind of uh, effect or or trick to do it. But also it, it's very beautiful, but there's this processing on it that makes it uncomfortable. It's the phasing yes. and everything's kind of out of phase from one another. It's music, but it's like just kind of off off putting in a way. And even the bass on the last half of this song, it's so strange. Like I, I thought it was our neighbors again, you know, having a hater set or something over there. Uh, and then I realized like it's on the track. There's like a, a low bass that kind of hits in and just adds this crazy depth to this, to the piece. And it's, it's awesome. But I think that the having, having it all be just so gorgeous would be, it wouldn't feel as human. And then adding the, adding the gristle, adding the noise, adding all of those other things just makes it feel so relatable and real because it's not just, you know, slick perfection. We come upon a year in a minute and this one opens with this like shadow of a melody, this solemn melody. And it's just sort of spreads across the space, you know, like, like pouring a pool of oil or something. Mm. The the spray from the ocean is like obscuring the vision, right? And then it's combining with the light of the sun, and then we are seeing things that aren't there, or maybe they're there, and we're just seeing things that we're seeing them in a different way. We're seeing them obscured, and this this is a fantastic track. And again, I I love that I really don't know what he's doing. You know, I mean, obviously, I under you know, it just I understand what playing guitar is. But other than that, I don't understand how he's processing this, what he's doing and how he's thinking about it. Like what comes first? Does the guitar come first? Does this, does, does he 
does he think about what how he's going to obscure it first or does it all is it just all I mean I'm sure there's no set rules it just all sort of happens and even when he said his equipment on this album was just a laptop a few pedals his guitar and the um uh, one cheap microphone an SM57 that's it yeah and you know he he says that he, he doesn't really go in with a plan it's through experimentation and feeling so he plays some guitar maybe processes something I, I think it's Nice to know that there's still, you know, he's improvising, he's figuring it out, he's experimenting and trying out techniques until he finds what sounds good. It's not generally like, okay, it's going to be like this. And it doesn't sound like that. This stuff's very off no. the cuff and, and it evolves. Uh, this track, Year in a Minute, has all these sort of strange glitches that spin off. It's almost like a fractal where they like it spins off and yeah. becomes its own thing and evolves into some new part. And then becomes these little like sub melody or like little harmonies with the main melody going on in this track. And it, it just bursts out into just glitches, you know, like that's, yeah. it is, this is a, a glitchy record. The, the, those sort yes. of sounds are very much pre found here and they're, they're utilized great. Like I said, with this sort of, crystalline motif where like if something breaks off it becomes its own entity and you can then kind of follow that for a while and i like i like that so much and it, it you know it gets it gets a little brutal in the last minute this track yeah yeah it really does and you know he he talks about in interviews a lot uh, he speaks to his appreciation of noise and that he is a fan of noise and and you can really tell you know and 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 he's just bringing his own take on it and and, you know, there's parts here, especially the, the last minute of this, the, you know, the end of Happy Audio. There's so many of these parts where you can just really feel the noise. And again, like the the album, that's the coordinates of his house and, and even Hotel Parallel. I mean, those definitely have full on noise mm -hmm. parts. Right. They have they do have much less melody. They're there's there. But they're this is the record. I think he really opened it all up on or at least from from what I know of his discography. Well, I like what he said in this Pitchfork interview from 2002. Which would have been the interview for the yes. Yeah, right, right album. when this came out. He said, for me, noise is not something I use to shock or because it's funny or weird or whatever. I use it because I find it beautiful. For me, there's a strong hypnotic power in noise music. And that's something I don't want to leave out of my music anymore. So that's right on. I mean, How and cool that's, is that? And that's such a great way to... I'm so glad to hear... You know that, especially back then, talking about it's not shock value. That's not that's something none of us have ever thought right. about noise, and it's great to hear someone like Fanez say the and, same thing. And, and by the way, I, I I say his name differently all the time. Apologies, Christian Fanez. If you if you you know, I say Fanez. I say Fanez. I say I, apologies yeah. for my horrible pronunciation. <laughs> but but I do think that this album is such a clear example of how noise can add the drama, how noise can add beauty, how noise can add, you know, something more emotive that wouldn't be present if it weren't present. The Connolly, speaking of pronunciation, uh, how about you? How about you tell us what the title of this next track is? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I'm going to say it is, I, you know what? I'm going to say it's Cecilia. All right. We'll go with yeah. that. Cecilia. It, it's it is. It's uh Sicilians are legless amphibians. They are carnivorous. They have teeth. They range from three inches to 
you know, a couple feet long. Uh, cool. They're really cool. And talk about. The well, re- I, I might have binged on some really fun amphibian <laughs> pictures prior to this they episode. Are really, they Full look, disclosure. They're, they're really cool looking. We were talking about the many reveals that happen throughout a lot of the songs on this album. Mm-hmm. The reveal that happens in this track is just, it's just like. It's like a gut punch. It it's is. So the way that it, it just sort of drops and then you get this, it just opens up to this thing. It's, man. I, I oh man, I love this track. Yeah, I, I've we're done fuzz guitar and dulcet tones, and there's this sort of like uplifting, cool shade, cool shade under a tree kind of melody that carries through this one. You know, that's this uh, the guitar work on it, and the processing is sort of off time with what you feel the rhythm of the track is. So it's sort of polyrhythmic in a subtle way, and yeah, this one, this one's great. And that, that kind of breakdown open up near the end is really, really good. I just had this thought when we were listening to this track, especially like some of these tracks just really feel like they should be a montage or they like encourage your mind to have a montage. It's like, I was just thinking of like every golden moment Um, but just very simply put to music uh, or like when you're listening to this, just think about every time you've ever laughed with somebody across, you know, the past. It's like you only remember those like stolen gorgeous moments and then everything else kind of fades behind it. Like the Cecilia and then even year in a minute, like with that title, um, all of these things just, it's nostalgia. Yeah. And and then, I mean, with "Got to Move On," that just the the bubbling of the of the of the water, the bubbling of a pond with the greenery sort of shifting around, and maybe maybe now evening setting in or something like that. But it just it, it just the the broken loop just really moves around in such an interesting way. Yeah, in this yeah I wrote it down as a uh, strafing glitches, like it it moves, it just kind of moves around the stereo field and and in depth, like you know, also near and far feeling. And yeah, got to move on is nice. This one kind of holds its pattern the entire time. There's no sort of grandiose uh, break or reveal or eruption or anything like that. It's just a nice four minute piece of sound. Yeah. And and it's cool, too, because he does these tracks are relatively short. I mean, there's an eight and a half minute track and then the ends with an 11 minute track. But all the other tracks are for lack of a better term, pop music length. And he says that that's on purpose, that Mm -hmm. he likes that. He likes the, that working in that length and, and something like black sea are longer tracks. And he he does move on from that. Agora's four long tracks, you know, from 2019. So that's something he does sort of, I think he comes back to it at times, but has moved on from that. But at this time he stated that, you know, that is on purpose that he did these tracks in those times on purpose and same with stuff before this. And, and I think that's really, I do enjoy that way of listening to something like this where it does, it is broken down into these pieces and it it sort of gives, it just gives the movements, right? It just gives different movements Mm -hmm. throughout the record. And the next track, Shishedo, I love the, I love the sort of 
guitar obscured underwater, but part of it comes to the surface, but then part of it, it's like it's like the top three strings popped out of the surface, <laughs> but then the bottom three strings are still underwater. Yes. And it's so I love I love the the way this this track goes. This is an actual song. Like everything yeah. on here is a, a great piece of sound, but this track specifically i was like okay here's a here's a song this is guitar this is sort of the closest thing to normal we find but it's not normal at all because there's some nasty resonant frequencies and you know some kind of resonant filter on it for the processing and there's sort of these sputter stutter things that happen to it where it like momentarily loops or or chops over itself and it's a really pleasant piece of work and also the shortest on the uh, disc at two minutes 56 seconds when he was saying, and I don't know what specific tracks is a reference to, but he was influenced at the time by, you know, a lot of 60s and 70s French pop music, he was saying. And so I, in my mind, this track felt oh, that way, yeah, even, even the actual sound of the, mm-hmm. the chords and the, and the notes. But I think it's really cool, just as we're having this conversation, you know, I think just thinking about the vastness of the world of noise and from from the early 1900s you know to now and and you know so much of just the just the scope that noise can the scope of forms that noise can take on Mm -hmm. and the scope of feelings noise can bring where you know so the over the way way vast majority of the episodes we've done you know probably actually almost every one you know the words pleasant and the words sort of (laughs) Uh, you know, the, what Tara's talking about, sort of thinking about these golden moments, thinking about these massages, probably hasn't really come up, but it does with this record. And and I think that's that's a part of noise, you know, that. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, you know mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool to that to sort of discuss something like this. It just the thought literally popped into my head when you said the word pleasant. And I was like, yeah, we don't. That's that is sure. That is part of it. And while it might not be part of it a lot of times it is part of it and it's just to me it just excites me to think about everything that noise can do and it just got me really excited yeah very true that's yeah yeah, yeah i know it's got excited uh, <laughs> and oh and do we establish do we establish officially that we don't know what shishado means you were not 100 percent sure what that is a reference not sure to, so hey Maybe, you know, let maybe, us know. Maybe we'll, uh, hey, maybe we should, maybe we'll try to have Christian on someday. And maybe he can. Give him an ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Before I leave, this kicks off the end of the record portion to me. These these two pieces are sort of paired in my mind uh, with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Right there. They're very similar yeah. there. Uh, Before I leave, it's got these sort of ringing looped tones and it it makes a kind of crude melody with the shifts, but I think they're all like individual samples being fired. And some of them are longer than others. And some of them have a a longer duration and some overstay their welcome. And some of them are just very fleeting. And I think that it's a really cool and interesting piece. It's sort of, I'm imagining someone trying to play a melody on like a, piano but every key is just like a different like a casio sk1 or something like a dip but it, right. but the loops yeah. are all different <laughs> in different times and that's what this is it's like these these little stutters and glitches but they're they're kind of well contained within themselves 
Yeah, to me it was that the the sounds were being pulled apart and then floating around the water and then f- then coming back together but forming new shapes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, like kind of like you say it's like it's like all these weird individual Patchwork. things that then are coming together to form something completely different and then getting pulled apart and coming back together and yeah, just that that stuttering contemplation of this track. This track is so iconic, though. Like, it's unmistakable when you hear it come on. Like, yeah. you know exactly what it is. Oh, like, yeah. it's not like you hear that opening, that hum, and you're like, yes, I love that. It, I mean, it just so, it just so unexpectedly, it's so unexpected in the way it's composed, and it works so very well, and it's so unique. And we get up on the last track, Happy Audio, the one of the strangest names. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. Uh, probably, probably one of the strangest names in, in in our journey on this podcast so far, right? I, I do like the. Can't finesse. think of anything. He did say he was that. like in a good mood when he was uh, recording this, and it probably came through in the recording. He just felt like he was in a really good space. I think this is a kind of a feel good noise record, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just that's, you know, and how many are there? That's what I think makes this stand out. It makes it so unique. And to me, this is night fires on the beach. And it's just that fire, mm-hmm. that that crackle that goes around. And, and it's there is evolution in this track, but it's incredibly subtle until the very end. Yeah. When it just breaks apart. Slow, slow mutations. And there's, yeah, that, that sort of granular melodic cluster and crackle that takes up the whole first portion of this until it, until a melody appears again, we were, yeah. and it's, it's barely there and it grows and grows and grows. And yeah, this is an awesome way to close out the record. And I thought by the end of the track, it almost sounded like metal junk. I mean, yeah, it has that feel to it. You At know? least junk adjacent. Yeah, 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 adjacent, yeah. While the melody becomes more pronounced, so does the static and distortion and stuff. So, yeah, I, I like that. I like the way it comes about. Man, I just, this is such a cool, cool record. And, you know, we haven't really tackled a lot of the, the Migo stuff and I, I'm really psyched that this was the first one we really discussed. I mean, like you said, obviously we've, we've talked with yeah. Peter Rayberg, but we yeah. haven't really covered any, any Migo albums. So I think this is a really cool first one to do. I think, I mean, I th- do think get out would be a cool, absolutely uh, a cool one to do mm-hmm. has sure. parallels in this with the way his use of pushing melodies through static yeah. at parts too. I mean, obviously that, that third track, uh, which is still one of my, my favorite pieces of music since I've heard it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think that uh, sort of the difference in these records would be an interesting thing to kind of explore as well, because coming from a crew of collaborators who also had sort of differing ideas and approaches and, and instrumentation even. And even just, you know, when talking to Peter, you know, something that I don't think I understood at the time, just, just the, the radicalness of, coming to a, a gig with your laptop and setting it up yes. and that's your setup, you know, and, and I think it became and has obviously become just standard. You know, it do, you mm-hmm. don't even yeah. bat an eye when you see a computer on stage, but th- when they were doing it, it def- when they first started doing it, it was definitely an, a strange thing, you know, outside of many circles. Not that they were the absolute first people to ever do that, but in the, the way they did it, they were certainly... Yeah among yeah. the very first people to use a, to bring a laptop and set it up and, and play. And, and, you know, I think 
certainly in the early 2000s when this record came out and, and a few years after there was, there's certainly a lot of discussion about is that okay to do basically, or is that not okay? And, and it, it see and it seems almost silly to think about now because now it's just like, yeah, whatever. I, I couldn't care less, you know, at this point, yeah. what I, I, I want, what, what, what am I hearing is what I care about. I really don't care about what they're using. I, you know, rarely do I even look to see what anyone's using on stage anymore, but there was a certain time where it was a pretty, you were, you know, it was a big deal if you were, you know, using a computer on stage. I think it's a really cool lane of noise that I think will be fun to sort of explore a little more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know Gray always talks about Pansonic uh, and, and Oval, you know, who I think are also some, 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 some people we needed to talk about that is another strain of of noise that is, you know, again, it's there's so many pockets and so many lanes that people took that we still haven't even touched on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sort of looking forward to to getting into some of that stuff. Should have put Pansonic in my recent listening. Actually, I just listened to the first album of uh, Vacchio and the Kesto box set. Right. <laughs> so, so you're going to keep remembering them. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. On well, start your summer off with endless summer and have an endless summer. Yeah, I would say end your summer with endless summer, but not gonna. We happen. just had a year in a minute. Yeah, we we <laughs> we we did just have a year in a minute. I Why would. Not I have an, it, you know what? We feels, deserve an endless summer. It feels like we had a year in a minute, and now it's time for an endless summer. Tara, you are right. Uh. I love that. And yeah, we will uh, start. And maybe end the summer with this. Why not? You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices. And by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. And your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.